The following program contains language and themes which may not be suitable for everybody. The way to handle this now is for us to have Walters call back right and just say, We have a cancer within close to the presidency that's growing. It's growing daily. The Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The burglars forced a stairwell door, then taped its latch open. What really hurts in matters of this sort is not the fact that they occur, because overzealous people in campaigns do things that are wrong. What really hurts is if you try to cover it up. Because only if you've been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. Welcome back to Watergate 50, the Crow Pod slash Heart and Hand special series here. We're here for uh, episode three. Uh, I don't know. Let's call it uh, what? Uh, uh, what? 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 What was Ziggler's line about the burglary? burglary. The third rate burglary. I, th- I think that works for the title for this third episode of the series. Yes, yeah. it definitely does. <laughs> uh, the most famous burglary in history, would you say? Uh I'm certainly up there. I mean, I can't think of many more um, that would be as earth-shattering as this. And uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, the the general plundering of Africa by uh, all the Western nations. You know, yeah. (laughs) This is your classic uh, bag of swag, guys. Uh, And in fact, it's it's. Because it was so untypical, a burglary was what first made the police scratch their head. But yes, three episodes in, or finally we're on the third episode, and uh, finally we're on to the actual (laughs) burglary. Um, But I think that was one of the key things we thought we wanted to do. I'd I'd like to just say to everyone who's been in touch, thank you very much. Um, Shane and I both really, really chuffed and and pleased with the feedback so far because uh, it's very much a passion project for both of us. And the fact that you guys are enjoying it means an awful lot to us. But yes, we can can crack on to to the event. The building that led to every sodding thing in the world that was a bit dodgy ever since having gate added to it. <laughs> it's Watergate Gate, yes. Yeah, Watergate. Watergate. I always wondered that if we, <laughs> if there is a, if there's ever a, a, a you know, a, a gate company that are involved in a scandal, will it be Gate Gate? Uh, but uh, yeah, it's kind of like Frankenstein's monster, isn't it? That uh, famously, a lot of people think that. Frankenstein is the monster uh, yeah. when of course yeah. he isn't and it's a little bit like Watergate it could be so many so many different things but it it's a building it's a very big still there um, yeah, well it's, it's a whole complex yeah it's, uh, yeah it's, exactly it's, it's more than buildings I think in total yep. yeah it and it's apartments it's office space it's conference facilities it's a big mega super duper uh, very expensive 
uh, as you can imagine, being right in the heart of Washington, very popular with Washington polls, uh, as as you might imagine as well. Loads of things have gone on in it. And in fact, I think it was Senator Barry Goldwater who was on the Dick Cavett show uh, the week of the burglary, just by, uh, just they'd been pre-booked. And he yeah. was asked about it. He says, what do you think those burglars were doing in there? And he said, well... He goes, I think they were probably trying to see how the Democrats could afford to office space in the Wargate <laughs> building because it's the most expensive the most expensive building in town. Well, I mean it's it's a building too that um well, I mean the whole complex. There's a lot of controversy just in getting it built because it's well it's taller than everything else in DC. Um, <laughs> because DC had very strict uh you know, zoning got kind of like, uh, I don't know what, Paris has that same kind of thing. They do, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, no buildings taller than, uh, I think it was 90 feet uh, was DC's um, uh, guidelines. So, I mean, e- even when it was being built, it, it was uh, much uh, hubbub in uh, Washington, D.C. But, yeah, it, it does end up, Jesus, sometimes, well, it, Monica Lewinsky famously stays there uh, when she's being held by FBI agents during that oh, whole, right. th- I mean, <laughs> like. The, the, that gate. The, yeah, Dress that gate. gate. Yes. Blue so, I mean, that, the, 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 the Watergate complex, uh, yeah, because so many people had offices, so many people lived there in the apartments. Uh, Big oh, people. I, yes. I, I, something we've talked about on this, and it will come back up in later shows, the Chanel affair. Um, Anna Chanel lived in the Watergate. Yep, exactly. So it's um, the, the, this is the geographic, uh, well, I guess, center of all this, although... I mean, wherever the fuck it happened, it, it would have happened. Um, <laughs> yes, that is true. Now, yeah, I've got a disclaimer yeah. <laughs> right at the start of the show, Shane, for the listeners. If you're coming here and looking for the reason that they broke into the Watergate, we can give you the ostensible one. Yeah. If you're looking for the deeper motive, nobody knows to this no. day. Nobody knows. The burglars didn't know. The people who ordered it didn't know. And the reason the people who ordered it didn't know is the people who ordered it didn't know they had ordered it. Another yeah. great mystery and a great irony of Watergate is that it's almost impossible to find someone in this list of bad guys, this cast of characters, who said, I would like you to break into the Watergate. And there's a suspicion that nobody did. And I know that that might sound a little odd, but we talked about this last week, that one of the problems they had was something that they referred to as slippage, which was that Liddy comes, the president says, working towards the president, i.e. we want to fulfil his wishes. But what happens when his wishes aren't specific so he says you know i want some dirty tricks against the democrats so you go you want to please them so you go away and you that leads to getting someone like gordon liddy in. he comes up with all these wild plans some of those wild plans are shot down he asks for a million dollars budget he doesn't get it but he gets 250 grand slippage you know we we don't want to we don't want that but we don't want to say no to it either so we get this sort of halfway house and the idea that any of them Mitchell, uh, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, or Nixon himself said, break into the Watergate. It didn't happen. There was no direct instruction. Much later in this, and we'll come to this in a couple of episodes' time, on the tapes, it's quite clear they don't know who did it. Because Nixon will say, in his tapes, and he's not doing this for the record, folks, he'll say, 
So it was a Mitchell operation then, wasn't it? And Ellipman will say, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Magruder was involved. And then there are other two where, where Dean's in and Dean's saying, I think that was an Ellipman thing in the president saying, well, no, I don't, I don't, he thinks it's Mitchell. And that was, that's how ludicrous Shane this whole situation is. Yeah, well, I mean, even from the, you know, the, the smoking gun tape, even in that one, it's still clear that, that no one really, uh, yeah, no one knows, even at that <laughs> point. And, and this is, we're, we're talking about Nixon talking to Bob Haldeman, right? And, uh, you know, come on, if, if you were here for last week's show, nothing happened without Bob Haldeman knowing. And even he was going, I, maybe the president ordered me to stop <laughs> telling me. Like, I, you know, I, I, I think as you're saying, well, it's because, you know, the, the, the plumbers, the, the plumbers get created. And yeah, all right. So they, they do the shit with Ellsberg's uh, uh, shrink. You know, that Lewis was all the, and, that was planned. Yes, yeah. Right. But this is all in September of 71. Now, now they've been sitting there for five, six months. They're, they're getting a little restless. And it's, I was going to ask you about that. How big a part do you think that was? I, I we really, have to I justify that, our existence. Yes. And, and that's why I think Lydian Hunt, uh, I, I think it's most likely. Um, uh, Colson that they went to, but at least, I mean, that's how I've always read it, that they went back to Chuck Colson and, you know, maybe Colson, well, obviously Colson wanted to talk to Haldeman too, but they were like, all right, yeah, um, but let's, uh, let's come up with an idea to, to get the DNC. It was just like, yeah, it's restless leg syndrome on a, on a fucking <laughs> airplane or something. Like you just want to get up out of your seat. And, yeah. I, th- and I think one of the other things, one of the other things that happens that really, I don't know if it gives a sense of comfort in the White House for this kind of shit, but with Hoover dying, because no matter how close Nixon and Hoover were, right, but Hoover was the law, and if he didn't like it, you weren't going to fucking get away with it. And having, who's L. Patrick Gray, he's appointed the uh, the acting FBI director. So now you, you, you have Nixon this. With Nixon saying on the tapes, with Nixon saying, we don't want to get in someone we we mentioned mark felt the famous deep yep. throat um he thought he would get it and he should probably have got it if you look absolutely at, is, his record but nixon says we which is why he ended up being a leaker yeah um <laughs> uh, but nixon says no we want someone we can control and yeah. that's why patrick l patrick gets it exactly and that that again i think because that, that that happens the second of or the first week of may uh and the the first watergate break-in also you know Two weeks before. Another one of those things that people always forget. It's not the day of the arrest. It's May 28th. And Liddy's team breaks in. They, they bug the phones of um, well, one of the underlings and then Larry O'Brien, who was the head of the DNC and uh, ultimately the commissioner of the National Basketball Association uh, oh. for a long time after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, he's an interesting character. He's a, one of Nixon's bogeymen, one of his best. Oh, yeah. 100%. He, had, he had hammered Nixon years before on what was known as the Howard Hughes loan, which was yeah. that Howard Hughes had given a loan to Donald Nixon. What is it, by the way, that presidents always have a useless brother? Dumbass brothers. Billy it, Carter it, syndrome. It, it, this was all for a, a, a burger joint in California. They were going to sell <laughs> Nixon burgers. That's, that's all that, <laughs> that this was for. That is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> and, of course, you know, Howard Hughes, I mean, they, we could do a pod on him. Um, but... Nixon fumed about that, but then later it became clear that Howard Hughes was giving money to the Democrats. Now, there's nothing wrong in this, folks. It's not illegal or sordid, and it's also not uncommon for uh, high rollers and big 
political influencers to give money to both parties. You're yeah, just yeah, hedging you your bets. Both sides. Yep. Yeah, you, you hedge your bets. So that's maybe the reason that it was targeted there because it was like, oh, this Larry O'Brien. So the name comes up and then, as Shane mentioned, they're looking for a big high value, look what we did operation, the yep. Watergate building. But of course, as Nixon, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Senator Barry Goldwater, um, House Republican leader, Dems, all of them, all of them say, and they mean this, folks, why the hell would you break into the Watergate and bug the DNC? There's no <laughs> useful info there because parties <laughs> don't keep. Um, it was all about getting info about the Democratic uh, candidate, you know, who would be McGovern yep. in 72. Well, all the useful stuff is kept at the campaign headquarters. That's separate and distinct. Um, from the DNC. So another of these fatal ironies that run through Watergate, Nixon would never have agreed to do this, not because he thought it was morally wrong, he thought it wouldn't be any use. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Robert, Robert Oliver is the one uh, the one phone bug that they get to work. But I mean, he, he was a um... He'd be like the, the the guy that reaches out to 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 the uh, to the local MP offices, right? He was like mm-hmm. the the go between between uh, that and and the uh, you know like the, the in London, basically. Yeah, I mean, he he ran the association of state <laughs> association of state Democratic chairman, right? That's it. So they they got his phone bugged. They try to bug O'Brien's, and and then it turns out what after they get caught, as we'll get to here. They could. The FBI never figured out that they actually bugged O'Brien's phone. Now, the, Liddy always claimed that they did, but the FBI always there was nothing to to show us that that was. I mean, maybe they tried to, but n- nothing ever worked. So, uh, now now during this and in the build up to the other one, there, there's another man, Alfred Baldwin, who was a guy that McCord brought in. He was a, he was an ex FBI agent, right? This is a guy that McCord brings in to the plumbers and, and everybody. Um, I, I, I think I think it was Dean who later said he's like he kind of figured out he worked with him on some shit. You know who the fuck knows? Bay of Pigs, God knows what <laughs> with everything McCord had been involved in. But just like McCord, uh, Baldwin had another problem in his bag, which was that Martha Mitchell knew who he was. Didn't like him. Yeah, and Baldwin is the guy. So they they, they decide eh, we're kind of punching the line here because Martha, lovely, lovely Martha, uh, was prone to you know calling up people and saying, "Hey, by the way, there's this uh, there's this Baldwin character creeping around." Mm-hmm. So they they take Baldwin out. They throw him in the streets across or across the street in the Howard Johnson Motel, and, and he's there for the for the break in on the twenty eighth. You know, being the watch out guy. And so they, they bring him back for the June 17th break-in, the one that just blows the whole goddamn thing up. And instead of uh, instead of paying attention over there, because the, the first one had gone so well, you know, they got in, got out, and it wasn't a big deal. Baldwin's over there watching Attack of the Puppet People, <laughs> which is a, a pretty mediocre 1950s horror film. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's a thing. Uh, so he doesn't notice that the, uh, the there's there's cops that pull up, but th- there's another big point. And if you guys, if if your whole history of Watergate comes from uh, the, the the film version of okay. All the President's Men, you probably pick up on this pretty quickly. It's an unmarked car, and the guys are dressed like hippies because they're out on fucking like drug beat and shit like that, mm-hmm. right? Like they're out looking to to, to bust prostitutes 
and uh, stop minor drug deals. So even yeah. if he had been paying attention at the front, he might not have noticed who they he were. Was unlikely to, but yeah. this burglary, so as Shane says, June 17th, 1972, they're going back in. Again, a very important point. They have done this before. So they're complacent. Now, they're complacent anyway or incompetent. I think both are probably... Yeah, a little, little bit of both. A little, little bit of column A, a <laughs> little bit of column B. Now, for example, using McCord, Liddy had been expressly told not to use yep. people who had connections to the White House, whereas uh, James McCord had been the head of security for the campaign to re-elect the president for creep. Yeah. Uh, he had actually been brought in to sweep their offices for bugs, ironically, um, ex-CIA. So using him as a direct connection to Nixon's campaign. I mean, it's yeah. a direct connection. It's the first thing anyone's going to say. Um, but what they do is uh, something that happens a lot in, if you've ever worked uh, in a hotel or a bar for cleaning what happens is quite often maintenance staff they'll tape, uh, they'll take a bit of tape and they'll tape uh, the the door over to stop the latch from clicking. When you've got loads of doors, you don't want to be fumbling about with hundreds of keys. So they go in through the day and they put a little bit of tape um, over a, over the door they'll need to get in. Yep, yep, coming coming out of the parking garage down there. Yep. First mistake <laughs> though, you're supposed to put the tape long ways so that it can't be seen from <laughs> either side. Now, they don't. They put it across. The security guard comes in. And again, I think that speaks to the competence because, you know, they, they thought they did these crack CIA guys, as Shane yeah, and I have explained. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got Frank Wills, just a 24-year-old, yeah. you know, run a 24-year-old security guard, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> night, night watchman. It's not a glam job. but uh, So he's coming around and he sees the tape and he thinks, maintenance staff they do this all the time which they do so he takes it off now in an act of absolute stupidity they then go back notice that the door has been closed and put the tape back on again visibly now not not, not and this is not even like 20 30 minutes later right no i, I mean, mean what, what, what frank's just doing his rounds he sees this he takes the tape off as you know like oh shit that happens all the time so yeah. but when i come back a half hour later and there's tape back on it again yep will's yeah. go straight to the lobby and uh phones the second the district now, of DC police when it's found when when the first bit of tape gets removed howard hunt to be fair, says, let's do this. Let's, like I say, let's pull this. This, you know, there's something wrong. I've got a bad feeling. Let's just do it. And it's Liddy who says, no, I've got the White House up my arse for results. We need to go in. I can't keep my budgets going down as well. I've brung the Cubans up from yep. Florida. <laughs> I'm paying, you know, their hotel and their airfare. We need to go in tonight. And on that decision, Richard Nixon's presidency will be flushed down the toilet two years hence. So, as as Shane says, Frank Wells notices it again. Now, it's the middle of the night, folks. It can't be staff. They can't. There's no cleaning staff in now, so they can't have went back and did it. Any phones. Now, the policeman who's, who was supposed, and I love this, uh, if you, you watch all the presidents, man, the, the cops are getting gas when they get the call. The policeman whose area it was had had a quiet night, so he, he headed off to a cop bar, yep. and he ha- and he had a couple <laughs> of drinks, and a couple of drinks turned into a few drinks. So by the time that 
the call came. He was in no condition to perform, <laughs> I believe they call it. And uh, he said, uh, well, I can't take it. Um, cop bar, uh, Shane, you'll know, is usually run by ex-cops or certainly oh, usually yeah. staffed. Yeah, and, and yeah. the ex-cop says, I'll just tell him you're getting, you're getting gas uh, and you're too far away. So that's what he tells them. And as Shane says, the call goes out, can anyone attend? And three scruffy-looking because they're undercover, hippie guys, long hair. Uh, and that then leads, they go into the, and they speak, and they, they go up the stairs, and it's quite clear that there's something going on, they can hear it. And that leads to Baldwin, who finally looks away from Attack of the Puppet People uh, on the TV, <laughs> and, he, and he radios them uh, over there saying, there are three hippie-looking guys with guns walking in there. Now, they don't know what these guys are. They don't no. think they're cops at this stage. No, I mean no. There, there's no way of being able to tell. I mean, they, they, these are because what Frank Frank Wills, who is in uniform, he doesn't go in with the cops into the office. He just helps them. You know, they they pretty much lock down the whole goddamn building. I mean, they turn off all the elevators. They get all the external doors locked so nobody can get in or get out. And then they start working through floor by floor till they come upon the the, the sixth floor there. And yeah, I mean Baldwin finally sees them. Like they was, he, he, I mean. The, this shit looks like it's about to be a throwdown between some DNC hippies and this <laughs> this group of Cubans, you know, and, and James Record over here. Yeah, and the the policemen they go in and they, they do, it, and then the famous line comes: "They've got us." So yep. the policeman walks in and he sees a burglar uh, moving furtively in the in the dark, and he says, "Right, police, you're under arrest. Come up with your hands up." And he says, "So I expect one burglar to shoot up, maybe two. Yep. He said, five shoot up." Yep. wearing suits he said yep. now burglars in the main don't wear suits right? <laughs> suits ties and they're wearing surgical gloves uh and they're all and at this point hunt and liddy realize what's going so they pack up because they realize one of the burglars has got a key to their room in yep. the watergate so they pack up and leave unfortunately howard hunt leaves behind uh some evidence that uh, <laughs> will we'll come back to haunt them. And everyone clears off. Now, here's an interesting thing. They're all arrested, taken downtown. The cops don't know what to it, It's unusual. And it becomes even more unusual because the next thing, a lawyer turns up and says, I represent these men. They hadn't had the phone calls yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, 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 they haven't even been booked. Yeah. I mean, they, the, yeah. the police are still going through. Yeah. Hunt phones his lawyer and says, you yep. need to get down there and help them out. And the guy says, well, you know, I'm not a criminal lawyer. He says, it doesn't matter. Just go down there because, trust me, we've got high-level protection. These guys will get bailed out. So just go down and make sure they don't talk and that the cops don't get anything out of them. Yep. So he goes down and the police are sitting there, as, as Shane says. They haven't booked them yet. They're getting ready to do that, getting ready to do interviews. And a lawyer shows up and they're thinking, how the hell did he know? So. Yep. Straight away, they're kind of going, right, this is weird. And their initial thoughts, rather understandably, is have we stumbled into maybe some CIA operation? Yeah, and that's, uh, well, you know, because you've got four Cubans here and then McCord. And there is an interesting, I've never really understood this, because Wills is Wills had claimed from the front that there was a six-man that they they. But I, I've always thought he's confused, like one of the cops for another one of the burglars, since he wasn't actually in the room at the time. Mm. But um, no, of course, you know the, the cops are going through. They find these lock picks and door jams, and 
$2,300 in cash, which is almost all in sequential $100 bills. That's not a, that's not not a tip off there at all. No. Uh, but yeah, that, no, then they had like the radio to pick up the cops. You know, they had all the film and cameras and, and <laughs> they had these little, uh, this is strictly a Liddy thing, but they had these little pen sized tear gas dispensers. <laughs> Um, I mean, seriously, spy games, and we, we talked about oh, this last yeah. week. You know, these guys are, are having James Bond fantasies writ large, um, but unfortunately, they're incompetent. So, yeah. So, well, that, that, but that, now, now the whip round goes because Liddy calls Magruder. So, Magruder's out in Los Angeles with John Mitchell and his wife, uh, who, again, we're about to have, have some fun with the Martha Mitchell story. But um, they're, they're out in Los Angeles at a fundraiser for the campaign. With John uh, Wayne and Clint Eastwood, Eastwood, no yes, yeah. Hollywood for the for the president, it was yep. called. Well, and meanwhile, Nixon's at BB Rebozo's house on Key Biscayne, swimming in the pool. When uh, everybody starts finding out about this shit, and people have to, I, I'm, I'm certain it's Haldeman that ends up calling Nixon to let him know. But um, yeah, he finds out while he's actually in the pool at mm. BB Rebozo's house. Yeah. So and he's and he's he's not too bothered because no. Because he's, he's like, uh, I, I don't even know what the fuck this is. Yeah, it's I nothing mean, to do with me, basically. Which yeah. at that stage, it, it wasn't. Uh, no. And again, the problem with this slippage, nobody's ordered it. So nobody can say we should be worried about this no. uh, at, at this particular junction. So young reporter at the Washington Post, um, chap by the name of Bob Woodward, uh, former Navy uh, officer. Yep. And uh, he'd gone into... Uh, important, important to note, a Republican. Too. Yep, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Voted for Nixon in '68 and was going to yeah. vote for him in '72. He's yeah. the, you know, he's he's a young reporter. He doesn't really have his own beat. He's working the the night court beat, which is any local paper, and the Washington Post is still a local yeah. paper of yes. sorts. Yes. Um, uh, that's part of your job. You go and you see yeah. anything that happens. Uh, that's and you good. Barry Sussman says, "Get the fuck down there, you know, get you know. down there, get down to the court and see what happens." And yeah. in come the Cubans. Now this story gets. A bit weirder here, as he says, I go in and there's five guys in suits. And he's like, well, that's you know, unusual. Because <laughs> remember, this is their first appearance. If um, you know, And when you get arrested, they hold you in the cells till you can be processed at the court. But you wear the clothes you've got, right? They don't let you send out for a change of clothes. So he said, nope. these burglars must have been arrested. And he was there with a young reporter who he was going out with at the time, who would go on to become a very famous um, anchor woman, uh, Leslie Stahl. Yes. Um, who, oh, who also, just, just like Woodward, was set there because CBS needed, they're like, eh, fuck it. All right. Yeah, you know, just go. Cool, yeah. I mean, it, it really, it's just, oh, it was a break in Democratic National Headquarters. Might be you know? fun, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, who, who the fuck, this could be weird. I mean, we, can we get, could get, get 300 words out of this. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's all they're thinking. And, and, and because with the benefit of hindsight, we might look at this and go, it must have been epoch shattering. No. At that point, it's just a bit of craziness. Now, I think something just as a wee side, we, we need to remember as well how wild America was at this time. In 1972, there were something like three and a half thousand bombs across America that exploded that were done by what you might call urban terrorist groups. You know, the, yes. the kind that kidnapped Patty Hearst, right? There was maybe only four or five of these nutters and they would make little nail bombs or whatever, which are not pleasant things when they go no, off no no, um, no the, what, the weather underground and whatnot no, yeah not, yeah not, not great organizations no and but the, the, there was violence there was weird things happening because of the war which we spoke yeah. about previously um because of protest and whatnot so it 
probably you know they're thinking it's just some you know anti anti war protesters. <laughs> There'll be some partisan nonsense. It might be a stunt. They they don't know. But anyway, they don't think clearly that it's going to be as big as it is. So they're sitting there. There's five guys in suits. Now I love this. They get asked their names and they all give their fake names, yeah. <laughs> which is tremendous, right? Yeah. Um, the the Cubans all get and they're asked their occupation, and one of the Cubans says anti-communist. <laughs> I mean, that was judge, a job back in the sixties. Yeah, you know, you, you, you could you could file your income taxes. With yeah, <laughs> the, the the judge sort of looks up and anti-communist, and he's like, yeah, he's like, all right. And then it comes in the famous part. It comes to James McCord, who does give his real name. This is James McCord, and uh, he says, uh, "Job." He's a little security consultant. He said, "And where did you work before that?" And he says, in, "In gov, no, in government." In government, and he says, "Yeah, what what branch?" And he says, uh, "CIA." <laughs> and the judge says, "Could Excuse you speak me, up?" Sir? Yeah, <laughs> and he says, "CIA." And Bob Woodward says, I dropped my notebook and remember exclaiming, holy shit. <laughs> now, uh, that's, that adds another factor into it. Now, let's get back to our good friend, Gordon. He has gone home and told his wife, incidentally, as he slips into bed at 4am, I love you, honey. By the way, I'm probably going to jail. <laughs> um, which is, must have been nice for her to get woken up with that news. But he gets up in the morning and he thinks, right, I've got to, I've got to tell people what's been going on. He phones Magruder um, to let him know. And he phones Richard Kleindienst, the uh, attorney general. And, and we, we speak about his spy games, and I think we still have to do it. He phones uh, from a payphone, obviously. Yeah. They don't get they don't get bu- uh, bugged, or rarely are bugged. Um, and he tells Jeb Magruder, go down to this local airbase, because it has a scrambler phone. And Magruder, of course, is just utterly sick of him at this point. He goes, oh, <laughs> Fuck off, God! I'm not doing it. <laughs> so he goes outside to another payphone, and he says, "Look, there was people involved in this operation, and they were my people. I've screwed up. They've been arrested." And yeah. Magruder's like, "Well, you know, that's fair enough. Will they will they talk?" He's no, but unfortunately, one of them is James McCord. Yep. And Magruder's arse nearly falls out of his trousers at this point. He then phones Kleindienst. And there's a bit of debate here because he phones Richard Kleindienst, who's the attorney general, and he goes and sees him, actually. He was playing golf uh, at a tournament that day. And he says, I need to speak with you privately. This is about lunchtime at 12 o'clock on on the Sunday. And he says, look, that thing, that Watergate that's in the papers, uh, these were my guys. And John Mitchell wants you, you know, the previous attorney general, Kleindienst's mentor, and a man and the, and the head of creep. No, the head of no. creep. He <laughs> says you have to release them immediately. So you, the attorney general, have to get on to the DC police and tell them to release. And Kleindean says, firstly, I know John Mitchell, and he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> and it's I, I, and Liddy has to uh, has to say, well, actually, I haven't spoken to Mitchell. I've spoken to Magruder, and Magruder might have said it, but. Yeah. You know, it gets thrown against Mitchell. Well, again, I mean, this is part of the problem and how we get here in the first place is that Jeb Magruder kind of oversteps his bounds. He oversteps his bounds, yeah. To to create, to to put them in this position in the first place. So even if, look, there's every chance he might have said, fuck it, go find Kleindienst and tell him that Mitchell said, tell him that that is what I think happened. That is what the consensus is, what happened. But Kleindienst knows Mitchell and said, no, he wouldn't have said that. And he says, in any way, if I. If I do, what do you think happens if I do a damn fool thing like that? 
And yeah. Liddy says, oh, you're right. You're probably getting in a lot of trouble. He says, fuck me. He goes, fuck <laughs> what happens to me. What do you think happens to the president of the United States if I do that? Now, Kleindienst has tried to use that in his defence to say that he didn't interject. But unfortunately for him, <laughs> it, this is now a crime. Because yeah, that, that, that's he now is, conspiracy. <laughs> he is now well because he knows he is yep. the. You have to remember, folks, as the Attorney General, he is the senior law officer yes. in America. He has been told by a perpetrator of a crime. Here is this crime I have perpetrated, <laughs> which I am running about trying to cover up. And although he doesn't help him cover it up, he doesn't immediately phone the police and say, by the way, you need to arrest this guy, Gordon Liddy, as well, because yeah. he's... So, straight away, they're, you know, they're all over the place. And the conspiracy has begun at that moment because yeah. Kleindienst... You know, I don't think deliberately sat down and said, I'm going to do this, but he is now, as, as she... And would be jailed well, for... Complicit. Yep. And, and, and this is where... This. I mean, how, how quickly, you know, as Dean would put it later, how quickly the cancer set in because it, it just, I mean, it rushed in the second that this shit hit. Uh, it we, did because it touched every, everything it touched. It spread. And, oh, yeah. You know, you, you, you could be like Kleindienst. You're walking along. You don't know anything about this, which you didn't. Um, yep. You're minding your own business. And then this thing hits you. And he ends up going to jail for this, folks. But yep. that was, you know, the job that, that he had. Now, the police find... Oh, hold, hold on here. Hold, hold on. Let's, let's take a... Let's take our quick break here, and then uh, yes, we're going to come back because because not not only is uh, G Gordon Liddy running around uh, implicating everybody <laughs> um, <laughs> in this crime, but the FBI, of course, have been called in by the DC police because of this involving the Democratic National Party, and also as we talked about, John Mitchell's wife out in California gets a hold of a newspaper, and uh, well, everything starts falling apart anyway. So we're going to come right back with all that. So Martha Mitchell, now yes. what a story! Lovely, now, lovely. Uh, the, the mouth of the South, the mouth of the before, South. Was, before Jimmy before Hart, Jimmy Hart. Yep. There was he stole Martha the Mitchell. name <laughs> for all of you guys our age who think, "No, that's Jimmy Hart." He stole it at the moment. Jimmy Hart's just a wee guy in Nashville in a band called the Gentries. Um, <laughs> but she was a Southern belle from an aristocratic Southern family, mm -hmm. and uh, she met Jordan Mitchell, who, of course, at the time was a lawyer, um, and they fell. Truly, deeply, madly in love. And those sort of, one of those relationships that the love is 100% genuine. It was a second time round for both of them. Um, they were a bit older. And it's one of those relationships where the love is deep and genuine and they are totally and utterly wrong for each other. Um, <laughs> I've been in a relationship like that. I'm sure you have, Shane. I'm sure oh, yeah. many of our listeners have. Where, you know, you, we're told growing up as kids, oh, if you love someone, that's enough. No, it isn't. See if you're not compatible with somebody. See if they're bad for you. See if both of you have the tendency to actually bring out the worst things in your partner. Then that's what happened. But Martha Mitchell, she becomes an incredibly popular person in the Republican Party because she's funny. Uh, she's glamorous. She can come out and say things that a politician can't. And yep. she does. Yep. And she was the number one person requested, even above Nixon, 
for candidates in the 72 election. Such had been her rise, 68 to 72, because she was so vivacious. She And, and as Shane mentioned, unfortunately, she was also an alcoholic. And she had been in and out of several rehabs quietly. But she would sit with John drinking um, in their apartment in the Watergate uh, where they live. Because during the Chenault affair, Mitchell said, I like this place. And when he moved <laughs> to water, when he moved to Washington, he gets a bill. Now, now, Martha was terrified that John would be assassinated. Um, so they, they would stay in a lot unless yeah. they were going out with protection. And they would sit in and drink. And he would go to bed. And she would be sitting there, lonely, hammered, and she took to phone and just anybody that would, you know, as 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 you do when you're hammered, right? Yep. You know, um, <laughs> except everybody eh. she knew was either a government operative or somebody that worked in the media. So. That was the problem. The people who were up at that time and her late night calls became legendary. But she would be legendarily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Legendarily indiscreet during yes, these calls yes. and she became great you know people used to love getting these calls if you're a reporter and you you know you're needing a story and the attorney general's wife phones you up or in this case by this stage the 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 leader of the president's re-election committee and phones you up and tells you about all the misdeeds going on that is a bona fide verified source you're okay to go with that and you got yourself a story um and she does now she immediately gets on the phone Shane. Yeah, well, the, the, there's three quick things that happen here in succession. The, the FBI finds E. Howard Hunt's name in a couple of the address books. Um, of the Bargloves. Yep. Uh, for, was it Barker and Martinez's books? Um, McCord, of course, makes his revelatory uh, proclamation there in, in John Sirica's courtroom. And that's so not John next... yet. No, that's not. John oh no, no, it's not, it's not Sirica yet. No, yeah, yeah right. but he will. Yeah. He will make no, yeah, that, a revelation. Yeah, that was just the yes, yeah. that was just the arraignment court. Yeah. And uh, but uh, so the, the the next day, so now now we're on the June nineteenth. McCord's on the cover of the L.A. Times, and and Mitchell has left her out there uh, with FBI or former FBI agent, I think at the time now, Steve King, uh, who ends up being Donald Trump's ambassador to the Czech Republic. He does, yes, yes, yeah, and a real real piece of shit his whole life. Uh, so so King is there. Um, to, to keep, well, basically to keep Martha off the phone and to keep any media reports away from her, keep her off the television, keep the newspaper away from her, keep fucking everything, you know, everything you can. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, Martha still gets capital at LA Times with James recording there. She goes, well, I know that guy because he used to be my fucking chauffeur. He used to be her security and he yes. wants to creep with my husband. Yes. So she knows. And, 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 Martha and, was one of the first to know. She, she knew. Oh, immediately. Straight away. Well, McCord had said, you know, he did the CIA shit, but he said everybody from the White House was saying none of these guys work for us. None of these guys work. They have nothing to do with the White House or the committee to reelect the president or any of this stuff. And Martha goes, well, no, that he does. Yeah, that's bullshit. Don't, don't yeah. listen to that. No, I, I know Thomas. Jim. <laughs> yeah, she phones Helen Thomas, legendary yes, reporter. Yes, so the, yeah, that, that, yeah, this is a few. We're, we're, we're up to June 22nd here. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's she, so much shit happening in these first yeah. five days. Yeah, she she phones up, and as, as Shane says, Steve King, who is the Secret Service, supposed to be her bodyguard, incidentally. Uh, and by the way, should Mitchell have still had Secret Service protection when he had left the Attorney Generalship and become yeah, member of Creed? You know, is that not yeah. a bit of a... 
Does, no, I, I, I think that's an overstretch <laughs> as well. Just when we're throwing charges against them. But um, he, uh, she phones Helen, Helen Thomas, and she says, "Oh, this is all going on." My, as I know Jim, you know Jim, this is a Nixon operation. This is this White House. They're bad people. And the next thing Helen Thomas says, I just hear, "Get away from me! What are you doing?" And the phone goes dead because he rips it out the wall. I mean, just rips the whole everything out of the wall. So, um. John Mitchell, he then phones John Mitchell to see what happens. She phones Helen Thomas and said, ah, that little girl, I love her so much. But you know what she's like? She's got... Now, this is the era, folks, where a man could say hysterical woman. Yep. And oh, it and would the, be, this is all that... Yeah, they, yeah. they destroy Martha Mitchell's life. Oh, so, they do. Yes. What they do to her even then is the, the Secret Service, Steve King and another guy, ho- summon the Watergate doctor posh posh place folks if you live in a very posh place like that um you have an on-call doctor and uh, he comes up and they forcibly hold her down and the doctor sedates her against her will now these days that you'd been you should be in jail for it it's you're not allowed to do this and uh it happens so but to go back to the the but so cat well out of bag Yep. Go back to, to what's going on. Hunt now is panicking. And yep. this is where well, John... Hunt's, Hunt's directly implicated. And, and, yeah, and the way Hunt... The, the Hunt news reaches because Mark Felt, who, as we, you know, deep throat, as you deep all throat. would know him, and the man who was passed over for the FBI director job so that L. Patrick Gray could be in there, who was just a, a little Nixon, uh, the ham puppet. Bitch, yeah. Um, so Felt, this this is the first leak, because him and Woodward had a relationship going back on private you know previous news stories and uh so uh felt immediately gets a hold of him and tells him hey by the way uh we found uh e howard hunt's name in the uh, address books on on a couple of these guys oh uh, okay as as nixon uh as as, uh, sorry as woodward says uh he said it had w house uh next to next to E. Howard Hunt's name, he said, so that could only be two places in Washington, the Hoare House or the White House. <laughs> uh, now, by this stage, Carol Bernstein has veigled his way onto this. Yes. And he had a reputation. Now, this is one thing, because these two, you say, it's hard to say one without the other. It's Woodward and Bernstein. It's become yeah, almost like and a very Sussman, but we're, 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 we're going to do, do a whole episode yeah, on, we'll, on the media we'll here later. On the media, so. but yes. um, they don't, they aren't friends, right? No. You know, Woodward's buttoned up, Republican, um, and not a very good writer. Great reporter, he was, and he proved that through his career, an absolute scoop machine, but not a good writer. Carol Bernstein, sloppy, always yeah. covered in ash, long hair, counterculture guy, Democrat. Uh, they don't get on. But maybe, maybe a former CIA employee, who the fuck knows? Woodward, know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that, there are strong rumours, but he's always yeah. denied it. But yeah. I suppose you would, wouldn't you, unless you're yeah. James McCord, <laughs> unfortunately, yep, exactly. for them. But um, <laughs> they, they they now know that there's a connection. And in fact, yep. um, Woodward phones E. Howard Hunt, and he says, uh, could you explain why your name has popped up in the uh, in the address book of a... Of one of the and he says, "Jesus Christ!" Um, and he said, "As the investigation, uh, then he recovers and says, uh, as the investigation is ongoing, I can't speak about this,' and puts the phone down immediately. So that doesn't in any way raise suspicion, folks, uh, no. among Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> but um, by this now, this is where John Dean comes in, and this is what we mean about the automatic cover-up. 
there's not any debate about whether or not. And I always think, John Dean, if you watch any Watergate documentary, folks, there's John Dean yeah. telling his story. Oh, John yeah. Dean tries to present himself as the white knight of this. Oh, no, yeah, it's just altruistic. Is it? But uh, yeah, no. He I, I is, mean, is, it, and uh, we will keep coming back to this. He was it's, on it's it from until... the start. No, it's not until April of 73 when he realizes that Nixon's about to throw him under the fucking bus. That he, he goes, uh, Which is fine, shit. incidentally. No, no, that's great. That's great. I just I, can't I mean, deal he, he, with he was the one, he was the one all the way up to that moment hatching the plan to, yeah. hey, us, us four should step down. One of us might go to jail. The four being him, uh, Ehrlichman, Haldeman. Yeah. Um, Any one uh, of them yeah. who isn't me should go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, I just, I, I, don't mind that. He did what he had to do to keep himself yep. out of prison. But I can't deal with this. Oh, I knew something bad was going on. And, oh, I yep. didn't respect these guys. And, oh, these were bad people. I knew from my first day. I've heard them say that. I knew from my first day that these were bad people. You lying bastard. You were <laughs> one of them. And stop trying to say that you weren't. But anyway, he gets he gets involved. And we'll come out in a minute. But we should talk about then the discussion. How early did the cover-up begin with the president. How well, I'd, the I'd say it was about what? 18 and a half minutes on uh, June 20th, 1972. <laughs> away. Now, what happens is, uh, Haldeman says, uh, yeah, the, the Watergate, oh, you, you hear the president say, what's well, the who, dope who, on that who, Watergate who, who, thing? Yeah, who's the asshole that did that? When, or yeah. No, that, that, that's the smoking gun tape. So, yes, yeah, so they, 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 they have a conversation three days before that. So, on the same day that uh, Felt is talking to Woodward for the first time, Nixon and Haldeman, Nixon's back from Florida and is talking mm -hmm. to Haldeman, uh, I think, in the Oval Office. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the famous, the, the famous tape where 18 and a half minutes went missing. And, uh, of course, you know, the Nixon lawyers finally had to concede there's no altruistic or legitimate reason that no, we should was, be missing. <laughs> it's yeah, like it, it, everybody it knows what was on that part of the tape. Yeah. Drunken and it's Nixon. him and Haldeman. Yeah, it's it's a, a drunk Nixon and Bob Haldeman going, who the fuck did this shit? And what do we do now? So that's that's fine, incidentally. See who did this and what do we do? That's a perfectly yeah. legitimate thing to yes. have a conversation about. Yes. And there is absolutely nothing wrong, incidentally, folks, with the president saying, I want to contain the political damage if that is what he had done. Because that's fine as well. You are allowed yeah. to say this. We have a PR problem. What you're not allowed to do is break the law, which he yes. does when they hatch their plan later that week. Yes, on June 23rd. <laughs> of saying... Right, what we'll do is we'll get the CIA, the Deputy Director Vernon Walters, uh, the Director Vernon Walters, and uh, oh, who was the, the, the head of the CIA? Ah, I forget the... Walters was the uh, Richard Helms, was the yep. head of the CIA. Yep. Walters was known to the President, very loyal to him. He'd been with oh, him yeah. in, uh, in Caracas when he was attacked. Yep. And um, but he said, What we'll do is we'll get them to come in and they'll go they to the Helms FBI to call Gray. To call Gray and say, don't go any further on this. Period. It's national security. That's fine. Now, on the investigation of the Democratic breaking thing, we're back in the, the problem area because the FBI is not under control because Gray doesn't exactly know how to control us. And they have, their investigation is now leading into some productive areas because they've been able to trace the money, not through the money itself, but through the bank. Sources and the banker, so and it goes some directions we don't want it to go. Uh, also, there's been some things like an informant came in off the street. 
him and says okay but you know how will we get them to go for that and he tell them the bay of pigs right that'll get yep. them that'll get them now this is so interesting to me there was a wonderful comment by uh one of the, the one of the watergate committee and he said later on i realized nixon and helms had so much on each other neither of them could breathe yeah. I love that <laughs> statement, and it's so true. Nixon knew all about some of the CIA's, uh, shall we say, highly, highly, highly illegal acts, um, but Helms knew about Richard Nixon's <laughs> highly illegal acts. So Nixon is throwing in what he knows is a red rag to the bull, and it's, he's not saying, well, tell them to be a pig's thing because he, he genuinely worried the Bay of Pigs would be opened back up again. He is saying that as a threat. He's saying, Helms, tell him this, he has to do this, or I will get out there yeah. what they did in the Bay of Pigs. Yep. Which still wasn't, you know, widely known at this point. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so um that's what Haldeman, loyal soldier, does. He phones them up and uh, he said uh, and he said afterwards on the BBC documentary uh, I, I said, you know, the president wants you to do this. This is a rogue operation. And, and Vernon Walter said, well, I've checked and we don't have any operations going on. This was not us, basically. Yeah. And he realises they're not going to do it. So he says, the president's worried this might bring open the whole Bear Pigs thing. And Helms shoots out of his chair and says, this has nothing to do with the Bear Pigs. <laughs> and that's his way of telling Nixon, Go ahead, asshole, and yeah, put out this, it. and I will, <laughs> and I will put out your stuff. But it's decided, right? Okay, we'll we'll phone and tell them that you know it may impinge on CIA operations. Not that it does, but that it may, and it's up to L. Patrick Gray what he wants to do. But unfortunately for Nixon, Walters goes straight away and writes a memcon, a, a memory of conversation note containing all this. Now it is illegal to instruct the CIA to do this, right? Now, <laughs> CIA do illegal things right throughout their history. <laughs> Please don't think for a moment. And every president has got them to do it. But they tend not to do they tend not to do highly illegal things that are already in the public eye because they'll get caught. And the CIA don't like getting caught with their hands in Nicaragua, for example. So what happens is they phone them up and they say, you know, this, this may be an operation. President wants us to tell you that you shouldn't go any further on this. And El Grey pulls his, his FBI agents down, who are raging. raging. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're very, very pissed off. 
because they, they know now already the money. Shane mentioned the money well, earlier. Yeah, yeah, the money. Well, and also that you've also got Ron Ziegler, as I said, the, the title of this episode, the third rate burglary attempt. He's already been out in the press. Well, one, his his first this this starts the whole Washington Post thing all over again because obviously you know uh, as we talked about last week with the with the Ellsberg came Pentagon Papers and everything. A lot of these guys were already on the shit list. Mm. Woodward and Bernstein suddenly got thrown onto it this week. And what was it? Shabby journalism? Shoddy journalism? I don't respect uh, the shabby journalism. Yeah. Yep. Character assassination of, of people in the White House. And, and of course, famously, the uh, uh, that, that the president would not be commenting on a third-rate burglary attempt. So not only are we out publicly doing it, because Nixon still thinks somehow he's going to get well, at helm or somebody in the CIA or somebody somewhere to fucking step on this thing. Somebody will it. step in and do because that's yes. what he thinks happens. He, well, he knows that's what's happened. always happened. Yeah, I mean, he knows it, but he doesn't again, realize this is This changed. is how he's won every election ever. He's yeah. never won a straight election. He's done something like this in every single one, regardless of whether or not he needed yeah. to. So, and of course, he lost the one. You know, the one time he didn't, because he thought, yeah. "Well, I'm the pre- you know, I'm the vice president. I'm under too much scrutiny." The one time he didn't cheat, he lost. So yeah, the lesson the other he people takes, cheated because so. the other people cheated. So <laughs> the lesson is, that, you know, I will cheat. So it, it, it's common sense. But the the conspiracy has started here, folks. Yes. That first week. So the the famous question, which we'll come to when we get to the Irvin hearings, uh, of course, is what did the president know and when did he know it? He knew what they were doing with a cover up. Uh, the first week, and uh, he he was immediately involved in it from the first week. Well, well, so, and again, I mean, th- this is the thing, you know, with the smoking gun tape, which uh, uh, by this point I've already played in the episode, just to let you know, David. Right. Um, but that that comes up later in the in the in the Senate hearings that the first time uh, uh, people in the special prosecutor's office heard that, um, you know, in 1974. That immediately, right? Nixon is on tape admitting to committing a crime. Yes, just just like Dean, just like Haldeman, just like everybody else, just like Clendice. I mean, all of them within the first week have all either admitted to committing a crime to one of the other people involved in the conspiracy, or on tape in the White House admitting to taking part in the conspiracy to commit this crime. Yep, and so that there is no. I'm sorry, folks. There's no getting away from this. Um, this is, uh, and and I think it was afterwards that Ehrlichman said when he was asked about when did you decide to do it, he said we didn't decide to do it. It's just no thought was ever given to not doing a cover up. Yeah. It's just automatically what we will do, um, because of the stuff we were talking about last week, the White House horrors. That's just the way they operated, and yeah. this is what now to to give you more clue. Now Dean is basically brought in by Holderman to keep an eye on this to keep it you know to, to make sure everybody so he goes as, and as sees, nixon says later put put your fingers in the dikes you put your fingers in the dikes every time yes. a leak is sprung so yeah. he goes and sees uh he goes and sees liddy um and there's a this is a brilliantly done it's hunt that it's done with in the in the nixon movie the oliver stone movie and it's brilliantly done by the way see casting david hyde pierce niles from cheers uh, niles from fraser as uh, as John Dean is oh, probably yeah. the most perfect bit of casting I have <laughs> ever seen in my life. Absolute genius. But um, he goes and sees Liddy and he says, right, tell me what happened. And Liddy says, look, I used my cord. I shouldn't have. The Cubans are my guys. They need to be looked after. And Dean says, outright, again, this is illegal. 
Will they talk? <laughs> will they be? Will they say what this is? And, and Lydia says, not Lydia if says you pay them. Nope, <laughs> not, he said, no, but they expect to be looked after. Now, yep. by that, what they mean is, he says, they expect money to be given for the lawyer's fees, money to be given for the living expenses, money to be um, given to them throughout their sentences, and they'll they'll keep quiet. Because these guys had, you know, worked for the CIA. They, they understood the rules of the game, but the rules of the game go two ways. And this was the Nixon White House's problem. They didn't realise that, or they didn't want to realise it. So Dean goes away, but as he's going, Liddy stops him and he says, John, I just want you to know I'm a soldier and I understand how this works. Dean doesn't have a fucking clue what he's talking about. <laughs> and he says, uh, how, how, what, what's going on? He says, look, this was my operation and it's gone wrong. So if you guys want to have me shot, tell me where and when I have to be there, which street corner I have to be on and I'll be there. The only thing I ask you is you don't do it at my home because I have children. But if you tell me when I'm going to be shot, I will be there on the street corner and I'll get my affairs in order. And, and this is probably the first time Dean realized that whole okay, Dean, this guy's exact, Dean goes, <laughs> This guy is a genuine fruit. And he says, I couldn't think of what to say. He said, but eventually I just went, Well, I don't think we're quite at that stage yet. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. that, that so Liddy tells um and the first well, money then is paid to the, the burglars out of the slush fund. The, yep. the, and this is money that's in the White House, folks, is in safes, in the way in cash, but this money has been laundered, and this is a bit boring and complex, but it's part of the story. We mentioned there the FBI were following the money, and that's probably the, one of the most famous things for the movie, isn't it? When it, it, it even, says, even though Felt never said it. Felt never said it, yeah. One of those yeah, things f- that can Follow the money. Yeah, follow the entirely money. for a Great line. Uh, yeah, no, it's, Great. it's hey. That's that's why we watch films for good. That, that lines is exactly like that. yeah. Yep. Um, but because <laughs> real life is far more boring. <laughs> yes, real life full of this kind of stuff that we're about to get into here. This so, 1972, there had been a change in campaign finance. Campaign finance laws had been reformed. That basically, you couldn't do big anonymous donations anymore. So, like the Howard Hughes thing we spoke about yeah. earlier, they were wanting to make it transparent. If your company A you can uh, only give a certain amount. It was limited um, to, if you want it to be anonymous, then it has to be under $3,000. Mm-hmm. But if you you can give more, if you so wish, you know, if you're IT&T, for, to, to take a totally yeah. random example, yeah. Let me just pick one out of thin air here. <laughs> yeah, just, just a, but if you, you can give the Nixon White House half a million dollars for a convention, but it has to be publicly recorded. And that came in on April the 7th. Now, the Nixon White House we mentioned last week would do things like sell, uh, they would do things like sell ambassadorships for lots of money that would then be donated. And they were doing this and saying, got to be in by April the 7th. Uh, Just, you know, get with it. And... uh, (laughs) They were doing what can only be described as a shakedown of various businesses, including George Steinbrenner, yep. a very famous name. He was a Democrat, but he basically got told, oh, you're going to come into a lot of legal problems. And he thought, what legal problems? And they're like, well, we don't know yet, but you're going to come into them unless you give an awful lot of money to us, to the campaign to re-elect the president. And he was given a sheet of paper, Shane, that said... Uh, 
it had about a hundred of these political action committees on it. <laughs> yeah. Right, all please, made up. Please pick ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, and it said no, that he, there was. A, he said there was a code at the top of it. It said three x thirty three three one at one. I we are shaking you down for a hundred grand. Yeah, but we want it anonymously. So give thirty three of these campaigns three thousand yep. dollars. Right, which means we don't need to report it and won one thousand dollars. It was so organised, and again, no, yeah. When people try to say, oh, they didn't know, but they then had to launder all this money that they get because they're getting it in cash now, folks, because it, although it's been given to these so-called committees, they don't have bank accounts. They're, they're basically just creep, right? Um, a, a reporter well, yeah, later... It's, it's cash or else, you know, like a certified check, which is a yeah, fucking, It's a bear bond. It might it's as well a, be fucking cash. Yeah, it's, so. just, it's just, yeah. So they, they, they've got a wash this basically right yeah. i mean I can't, I can't think of another term for it it's money laundering and they take it down to banks in mexico and they give it to someone who takes it down puts it into his bank in mexico Bar- bernard barker one of the one of the one, one of the burglars here they then <laughs> lift it but they lift it in sequentially yeah. noted numbers yeah. so yeah. that's some of the money that's given the money that's given to liddy is from this the original two hundred fifty thousand dollars. the money that's sitting in the slush funds in the the white house and in creeps offices is this money and this will have a thought so the fbi are tracing this money to mexico and thinking right we're on this is something different this is not the burglary but clearly there's some illegal stuff going on well, well the thing the way they structured this was it was legal in so much as how they structured the the the, know, the the ways that they moved the money right because they they did the they did all this specifically to clear the the federal reserve uh, uh check clearing system yeah and so you know it, it was done in this specific way because it would stay under the radar the the problem was there was a twenty five thousand dollar check from ken dahlberg that shows up in the bank account of one of the Watergate burglars down in Mexico. <laughs> Who's been used to wash the, to wash yes. the money. And so, then that money comes back through Miami, which is, and, uh, you know, money laundering it, central. So. And it ends up now, this is also going to be, be later on. So the money starts getting given out to, to Howard Hunt and he gives some to the, to the burglars families and it's given to Liddy, et cetera, et cetera. Hunt sort of goes to ground at this point. Because he's been told to by Dean. Again, yeah. John Dean, who never does anything wrong. John Dean, we should well, well, just the, 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 the White House counsel. He's the, 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 he is the lawyer of the administration. Yes. Well, and also at this point, Hunt, Hunt's, uh, Hunt has been told to go to the ground. And also, just again, to, to show where Dean actually was in this. And also L. Patrick Gray, too, uh, who, who would never speak about Watergate except for one time um, right after Felt died, right? It's, it's the only time he really ever gave any comment on this. But within the first week, Ehrlichman, or at least as far as Dean says, uh, John Ehrlichman's always denied it, but they order uh, Dean to go deep six uh, Howard Hunt's White House safe. And it's Dean and Patrick Gray, again, the acting director of the FBI, who in multiple operations you know, go in and destroy all the contents from Howard Hunt's safe in the White House. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the head of the FBI, folks, yep. <laughs> and the uh, and the, the 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 counsel to the president, the official, the lawyer that are in here destroying evidence, and they're destroying it because they know that it's evidence. So, what we have at this situation then is we have the president 
this this illegal operation has taken place yep. and it has gone to shit and everyone has been arrested. Yep. The guys who masterminded it are on the run, yep. but as everyone knows who they are, they are going to, and they realise, Liddy knows, by the way, Liddy from minute one, day one knows I'm going to jail. He never talks, he never confesses, he, he does his sentence and all his post-Watergate interviews have come after he's done his time when you know, you're allowed to. Uh, so he being a nutter, he will, you know, I'm the captain, I go down with my ship. He, he's quite happy, I think, Shane. I think he kind of sees it as almost Yeah, a, that's a badge of honour. Yeah, a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hunt, though, he's not too keen. I mean, Hunt is a guy who has worked for the CIA, okay, badly on occasion, but he spent <laughs> his whole career in government service. McCord is the same, and yep. they genuinely believed they were doing something ordered by the president Yep. For and, and same with the burglars and the prosecutors of the the special prosecution team later I'll say the ones we felt sorry for were the burglars because yep. they genuinely did believe that they were doing their patriotic duty that they were serving the president of yep. the country and it's not a, a a fantastic leap by the way folks in case you think well it was illegal and they were doing it you know bad things happen in real life for good reasons, means justify the end. It happens with every government in the world, unfortunately. Um, and they genuinely did believe they were doing a good thing. So Hunt begins to get a bit miffed about seeing his name in the paper constantly. McCord begins to get very miffed no. when he starts seeing it's a CIA operation because he loved America. You know, he's one of these sort of very American patriots that people in Britain don't quite understand you know the guys with well, he, he loved the cia which is yeah, fucking but he weird, loved but, the cia yeah. more yeah. so when he well, sees well, I, it, I, I think i think there's you know here too this is another part where liddy and magruder kind of overstepped you know they're out over the front of their skis with the money there's a hugh sloan who was the uh the the what was he the committee treasurer right for for creep yeah he's the one who um it's McGruger and uh, uh, Maurice Stans, who's the finance director of Creep, and also just a real, real weird son of a bitch too. But <laughs> they give they 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 direct Sloan to give all this cash to Liddy. Liddy gives it to Barker to try to cover it up further. But because of <laughs> because of the way the clearinghouse system is set up, so again they're trying to do this all legally to keep it off the books, and they're using all these different you know Barker's uh. uh accounts in mexico and whatnot in april and may of 72 right so before the before the actual break-in they're still trying to launder all this cash ahead of doing all this shit that comes down but because they did that the records of all these transactions stayed on the books until late in 1972 they all had to be held for six months so had they not taken the extra step of trying to push this money through barker's offshore bank accounts they might not have ever found the records of how the fuck this money flowed through. And again, one more thing that Liddy took control of that pissed off McCord and Hunt because, you know, he tried to do this extra step, this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking lawyer. I, okay, that's fine. But you're, you're overcomplicating this and you're making a bigger paper trail than would have existed in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> It is just so ham-fisted, like everything it's they insane. touched. Yep. Um, and they, yep. they're now they're now in this morass because there's all these problems, but the issue is nobody quite knows. They're, they're all trying to follow it back to a start, and there are about 84 different positions, and that's yep. that's why it becomes... <laughs> 
Um, now, the FBI are investigating the money, and this leads to, I think, an underspoken about, and I know you do, Shane, as well, the first Washington invest, uh, the first political investigation into Watergate comes later that year. It isn't, believe it or not, the, the famous Irving Committees, and we'll do a whole show on the Irving Committee. Oh, yeah. It isn't Archie Cox and the special prosecution team. And again, you know, that'll take up lots of time later on in the series. It's a chap by the name of Wright Patman who headed yeah. a rather unglamorous committee, which was in charge of things like campaign finance. That's the he United was, States Committee on Banking and, and uh, Currency. Banking and Finance, yeah. But <laughs> now, it, it, he realises straight away, because he's a guy who knows finance, that the crime is always... <laughs> You know, the crime is always at the end of money. Yeah. <laughs> it just always is. And he tries to to get his committee to... Well, he, he, he's a chairman of it, so he can say, right, we're going to have hearings. But unfortunately for him, the Republicans in his committee vote down subpoena power. Yeah, well, and also de- Democrats that the... Again, because the Nixon White House is not done <laughs> doing very illegal, shady shit. They dig up everything using the FBI, uh, again, using L. Patrick Gray, dig up information on Democrats on, on Wright Patman's uh, banking committee who maybe, you know, had done some uh, illegal campaign finance work of their own themselves. and whatnot and lean on them and say, hey, look, if you don't fucking vote against us, we're, hmm. we're drilling you. And yeah, if we go, you're coming with us. Yeah. And, and so, well, and, and of course it is Gerald Ford. Uh, <laughs> Who, who helps submarine Patman's effort to, to mm-hmm. secure these subpoenas now, at Patman the request knows, of the White House. But, Patman yeah. knows. He knows that they're guilty, and he, he yep. wants to get at it. Uh, and this is in 72, because we always think of this happening, you know, all in a, yeah, in a bit of a tumble two years later. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. This is 72. He's on Th- to them. This is before the election. I mean, this is a – Patman wants this shit before the fucking election to show what the hell is going on here. To show and what's because, been happening. So he can't get the subpoenas. So we still, it's about 10 days before election day, I want to say. Um, he still puts up names. And like, it's it's a pretty good list. I mean, he he picked people that, Holdeman, he, Ehrlichman, that were Stans. definitely fucking involved in this shit. Yeah, yep, Stans, um, Stans was one of the big ones because his name yep. is front and center in this Keeps famous picture up. of Wright Patman sitting at, you know, sitting at the head of his committee, preaching to four empty chairs out in front of him. Uh, because without subpoenas, they, they can't yeah, be made. To no, attend, no so reason to come. No, they reason don't to go. Come. They don't go. So he, he still asks all the questions, and from those yeah. questions, you can tell exactly what he knows and who knows what and, and where the knew, fuck the money went from. Looking back, he knew a lot, and and he was onto them. But he, he gets no support because, nope. as Shane says, people have got their own skeletons in the yep. <laughs> and the, the the republic. But again, that's an illegal use of the FBI. You can't yep. do that. You can't get the FBI to go and do your own political bidding. So, well, and it's still, I mean, at this same point too, we've got the Mitchell. Uh, news story from the Washington Post. Well, I think the Times had part of it, and then the Post had the other part, that as Attorney General, he was uh, in control of the slush fund for, for you know, all this covert intelligence bullshit with Democrats. Um, that That's right at the end of September. I think on October 10th or 11th, uh, the Washington Post, again, Woodward and Bernstein and Barry Sussman, they, they come up with the story from Felt that the FBI has determined that all this is part of a, a huge, huge you know, massive spying and, and bullshit campaign on behalf of Nixon's on behalf of creep. Right. 
You have all this shit falling and everything in Patman's committee that lays out exactly how the money moved from, you know, the donors through all these other banks and everything else. And that these are the people who fucking did it. You know, he, he calls Dean and Stans and McGruber and all these people who don't show up. Despite all this, Nixon's reelected in the biggest landslide in American political history. <laughs> the story just will fucking, not catch on. No, no matter how hard. Doesn't now, matter. I mean, even, even Walter where... Cronkite, even Cronkite spent the days before Election Day, every you know, for, for half of his show every night trying to show people, like, look, this is some really bad illegal shit yeah. that they're doing. And he, even Walter Cronkite couldn't convince people. He couldn't give it. It just would not take off the national nope. story. Now, people have asked why. A few things. One, at, at this point, is complicated, right? I mean, the stuff we've talked about. Oh, yeah, about no, there's here. so many fucking moving There's so here. many different threads, and they're not all together yet in the nope. way that they'll become later and clear. So they're just bits and bobs. And people, you know, who's got time to sit and, you know, what this, this shit... Uh, the papers are writing these stories about finance and... And, and all the rest of it. And also it was inconceivable to people that the president could be involved in this. It just didn't... I'd done a very weak candidate for the Democrats. Yeah, that, you know, basically that, that was a huge part of it. Right. Well, so and, and, Nixon's and you going this, to get voted in. Yeah, you can hear this on the tapes too, where you know Haldeman and Ehrlichman on separate occasions say, look, nobody's going to fucking believe this because yeah. like, no, nobody thinks we're going to lose to these guys. Why the fuck would yeah. we be involved in this? And that, I mean, which is kind of the big mystery of it. But the, so as, as Shane says, the cover up goes very well. Both Hunt and, uh, both Hunt and uh, Liddy give themselves up, go yep. be arrested, understand. And Dean gets congratulated by the president. He says, uh, I think you've done a good job. You've yep. put your finger in the dikes and, yep. you know, you've been all, and he says, I've been all over this thing. Mr. John Dean, who'll be on a, on a Watergate documentary near you soon, saying, oh, I knew how wrong and terrible it was. He's in there, and, and uh, famously, Nixon says, you know, we haven't we haven't used the, the Justice Department or the IRS or uh, the CIA in our first term, but we're going to do it in the second. And Dean says, oh, that's an exciting prospect. You know, so he's right in it. He's loving yeah. it. And But it, it doesn't take off the national story. He's elected in a huge thing. And at that point, they think they've got away with it. Enter. The man Shane mentioned earlier, Judge John J. Sirica, a Republican, yes. Yes. a boxing fan. His best man was none other than Jack Dempsey, former <laughs> world heavyweight champion. And uh, he is the man who's in the chair. He's the judge of the the case of the burglars. Now, yep. the Justice Department, which incidentally, folks, is the head of the Justice Department, technically right up the chain. Is the president? This is this is an issue. He is. They are they are government employees, so that does complicate it. But they, I don't think deliberately. I think just for the sake of winning a case, they put together a very narrow case. Well, they admit right at the start. Look, we don't know the motivation for this, but here's all the evidence that says these guys burgled the Watergate and should be jailed for it. Well, right, and, which... and Sirica does believe that there's something going on, which is why oh, he keeps yeah. kind of prodding this in the direction of the White He's House. He's raging. Mean, he yeah. keeps saying, he now, he keeps you, saying. To you the, guys the, have to be able to find this fucking evidence. Yeah, to the prosecutor, he keeps yeah. saying to them, look, why are you not asking about this? Why are you not saying, who told you to do this, rather yeah. than, you did this? Yeah. Um, 
And what the prosecutors did, and I say it was Errol Silbert was their head, and he was a good guy. He wasn't, you know, involved in it. He wasn't a criminal. He was just doing that thing that prosecutors do, which is I need to win the case. That's I get judged on my win loss record. So I'm going to present all the evidence of they were in the building with their stuff, they were arrested on the scene, and they'll get convicted of that. And that was enough for him. And obviously it was enough for, for Nixon. He was quite happy. Yeah, but Sirica will not let this go, and he, as Shane says, why are you not asking this? Why are you not? Yep. So, a couple of things happen that are very important. Firstly, and it's tragic. Howard Hunt um, is kind of preparing to go to jail, you know, yep. with Liddy, and understands he's not happy about it, but he understands the script. Um, still expecting that their families will be taken care of, but he twigs when they get a payment by a guy called Tony Alasowicz, who's straight out of Central Casting as an old gumshoe. <laughs> um, he's the guy that the president's personal lawyer, now there's a difference just to, to make this clear, The this is Richard Nixon's lawyer, yep. whereas John Dean is the president's lawyer. Yes. There is a he's an official. And, and, well, and again, and the, and the attorney general is actually no one's attorney. They're just the chief no, law enforcement officer. He's just the, the chief States. law enforcement, yeah. <laughs> but um, this guy, Herb Kalmbach, he is involved in getting the money, you know, from Dean, etc. at the White House. He gives it to this this ex-New York cop, Tony Alasowicz, and he distributes it to the burglars. The burglars all note, though, that the money they're given on the last drop covers right up to the election. Yep. And they go, ah, right. <laughs> and as soon as he gets the election, then fuck us, we're going to jail, out of sight, out of mind. Um, and Hunt is kind of bridling at this, but, you know, still he's got this sense of duty. Well, his wife, unfortunately, dies in a plane crash, yep. which is you know, obviously very Ca- tragic. Ca- carrying $10,000 in sequential $100 and bills. This is unfortunately a bit of a problem because people get these 10000 and they trace it back to, oh, a bank in Mexico. And it's quite good. But. He now, well, I mean, he's obviously, as you can understand, he's lost his wife. He's emotionally shattered about that. He also has children, some of whom are still school age. He thought his wife clearly would be looking after them when he was in jail. But now who's going to look after his kids? Are they going to get into homes or whatever? So he begins to think, I think I should tell, you know, what happened. At round about the time that, that McCord is going through this. Going through uh, the same shit himself. Going through yeah. the same shit. And yeah, well, he, they're, they're, they're all convicted and sentenced. Well, the, the five. The five are in January the five of 73. Are, yeah, I mean, it takes 98 minutes for the court to, because they are all guilty of sin of yes. this, right? I mean, yes. there's no getting away from it. But um, there is a startling development. Shane, you mentioned it earlier, so you take this. Yeah, so, so so in between the uh, the conviction on, on January 30th and, um, uh, well, the, the, the final sentencing hearing, um, McCord again, as, as David said, I mean, he's starting to think like, oh fuck, you know. I mean, I've been left out, you know. I, yeah, I no, I, I've been I've been hung happens. out to dry, right? Uh, not only that, but he's starting to look around. Because, you know, he's in jail, but he's still seeing the fucking news that this shit's collapsing all around him, and there are ways now to get out because you know who the fuck everybody is and what everybody's done, and mm-hmm. so he sends this letter to Sirica in March. And uh, March 23rd, 73, so now we're, we're nine months out from the burglary, Sirica calls the court back together to read this letter, uh, alleging uh, per- perjury had been uh, uh, committed by, by all the defendants, 
um, that there had been pressure from above. Uh, he didn't say specifically what part of the government, but pressure political from, from pressure, yeah, political pressure from higher parts of the government to to uh, to, to shut the fuck up, basically. And uh, so Sirica gives uh, Hunt and two of the burglars uh, sentences of up to 40 years. Like, right. He's Huge. like, all right, that's that. Like, you're going to fucking talk now. You know, and he, he because... says he actually says there are other investigations that will be opened up because of this, and that's true. And what he what he does effectively, folks, is he gives them huge sentences and said, if you talk, yep. I'll reduce these to normal sentences for burglary. Yep. If you don't, um, then you're going to die in jail, basically. Yep. Um, and he said, you know, he actually openly says he said, uh, I will then. Uh, monitor their cooperation with other investigations yep. and adjust the sentences accordingly. Now that's out and out. If you tell us, you testify what happened, I will make sure that that your sentence goes down. Now he got a lot of criticism for that because it's not. It's, I mean, it's it's, it's that great behavior from a judge, <laughs> but it's not. It's not moral. You shouldn't. No. You know that the Fifth Amendment is there for a reason. Yeah. And yep. what he is basically doing is using the power of sentencing to. You should be sentenced for a crime based on uh, and the evidence what he against did. you. Yeah, yeah. What, not, what, not on the fact that you won't provide evidence on someone yeah. else. Yeah. And and you shouldn't receive a higher term. No. Than than somebody down the street would get if they'd broke into you know a Howard Johnson's. You 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 absolutely shouldn't. But he does this, and all the burglars at this point who pretty much have been left to rot. Uh, are, are thinking, well, I'm fucking right. I'm not spending the next 45 <laughs> years in jail for this because I was lied to. So it is about to kick off hugely. And we'll just set the scene for next week, which is it becomes clear that there is more going on. And yeah. the, the the people who believe they can get to the bottom of it are, of course, the other branches of government. Yeah. and the Senate, and uh, there's a bit of a race here. Um, and Carol Albert, who's the, the head of the House, uh, he he always resented Shane that they didn't do it. He said, we, we, had, you know, we had judiciary on it. We had the... Uh, it was ours, um, but yep. the Senate got there quicker. Yeah, Ir- Ir- um, Irvin got his committee rolling. That was he got it. his committee rolling. It was yeah, too yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, maybe you should have helped out Wright Patman, you son of a bitch. Well, exactly <laughs> you you, you right. had him. Uh, fucking uh, six months ago. You could so. have had it before the election. So <laughs> yeah. no, he was always raging. But um, a committee is is called. And yep. in terms of Shane and I talk about this having movie qualities a lot. One of the the lawyers we'll be discussing a lot next week, the Republican Minority Council for the Watergate Senate Investigation Committee, <laughs> is none other than Fred Thompson, the TV star. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you he, may also he, recognize Fred Thompson as the order. district attorney on Law and Order. Yep, um, <laughs> and I love we talk about art imitating life. Uh, Fred Thompson, who was a very good lawyer by and straight down the middle, as we'll talk yeah, about next yeah. week on the Senate Investigative Committee. Um, but he he was a striking man, um, southern, handsome, six foot five as well. Uh, which led to one of the brilliant things where there's an argument going on during one of the um, one of the depositions, Shane, yeah. and uh, Howard Baker bursts out laughing, like giggling uncontrollably, uh, and 
Thompson turns and says, what is it? He says, uh, I don't think he's so much worried that you're going to break him down with intellectual arguments. Is He's worried you're going to rip his arm out and beat him to death <laughs> with it because he was so big. But uh, he is, uh, yeah, he would then go on later because people approached him and went, you were so good in Watergate. And he's like, Watergate wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> was fucking show, mate. <laughs> but it becomes, as we're going to talk about oh, next yeah. week, it becomes oh, it's the biggest it, show on the planet. Biggest show on the planet. Yep. So my dad remembers, my dad, um, who at that time would be, what, 20 and working. He said, at night in the UK, they would show you like, you know, the next night in the news, they yeah. would show extended highlights of it. And he remembers sitting up in the UK, sitting watching excerpts for these here. And so worldwide becomes a smash. Um, but yeah, he, he would become uh, art imitating life. He would become a, uh, and he's in loads of, go and, go and check him out. You'll know his face, folks. Go, oh, go yeah. to IMDb, Fred Thompson, and uh, you'll, you'll see him. But we are coming to the simple country lawyer. Yes. who was a wonderful <laughs> character, segregationist. Yeah, horrible but racist. Was, but, uh, horrible racist, know, yeah. but but a good lawyer, to be fair to him. Yep. And essentially, folks, next week, if you if you one of the people who've said to me that they do homework for each show, go and watch some of the footage from the Senate <laughs> Investigation Committee where the leader of it appears to be Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> Again, he, he's, the, he's the chicken lawyer from... Uh... He is absolutely uh, yeah, yeah. from Futurama. <laughs> yep. I might just be a simple country chicken, but I know yep. when we're finger licked. Um, so, well, so, it, it, yeah. there, there are, there's three quick points here that's going to lead us in next week. There's three really, really, really quick succession things that happen in the two weeks after the Sirica letter. One, Nixon tells Ehrlichman to tell the attorney general that nobody in the White House had any knowledge of the burglary, prior knowledge, which is not mm. true, obviously. Now, Nixon didn't. Mitchell might not have, Ehrlichman might not have, but there were people in the White House who did because on April 13th, our good buddy there, Mr. Magruder, tells uh, he, go, he goes to the feds and says, hey, I, I perjured myself. Yeah, uh, I did know. Dur- dur- during the burglar's trial. And also, uh, by the way, John Dean and, and, and John Mitchell, yeah, they fucking knew too, right? And so this this is that meeting that that really, I tell you, once, once we get to the Senate committee, uh, on top of the smoking gun tape and, and a couple of the other ones, this is, this is meeting on April 15th, right? So Dean thinks still at this point before the, the Senate committee that he can, if, if him, uh, Mitchell, Ehrlichman, and Haldeman all give themselves up, that they can save Nixon, right? Mm. And he goes into this meeting with Nixon on, on April 15th. Uh, he's still ambivalent to, to the president's knowledge of, of everything that's going on. Right. And this is the meeting where Dean is sitting there and he finally goes, this motherfucker's taping me because he, he keeps Nixon keeps walking into weird corners of the room where it turns out the microphones were and keeps trying to lead Dean into saying some shit that would obviously, you know, implicate him directly because Nixon is not going to throw air. Certainly not all of him. But Ehrlich Mayor Mitchell, either, he really doesn't want to throw them under. If he can get away with just getting John Dean, then he thinks he's going to win. And this is what turns Dean. This is what really blows the cover off in both cases, the, uh, the Senate committee hearings, because Dean's the first one to go, I thought I was being taped. And then they find out, well, yeah, you were. So everything that happens in these two weeks is really what sets the stage or again, yeah, the the Senate. Uh, what, what, I always forget the official. Isn't it the Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities? 
campaign activity. The official yes. name, yes, the, the official term. So yep. next week we're going to come to this, and this is you know just movie style dramatic. Yep. But um, I, I think it's important to say that right up until that letter, they think they've got away with it. Yep. Right up until that letter that we mentioned from McCord yep. to the judge, yeah, the stories are still coming out. Oh but yeah. Felt, and, and I mean, felt still leaking shit. Felt is leaking. Felt's with, leaking the fucking the Post, the Times, Time Magazine, it, fucking Newsday. It, it doesn't fucking matter. And like, there's stuff coming out, um, and it's becoming, you know, the American public are beginning to get into this now because, well, okay, you know, last year we weren't that bothered because he was going to be the president. Well, now he actually is the president, so maybe we should sort of pay attention to this. Yeah. Um, and the letter, but but I, it, please have in your mind. January 1973, they think they're home and hosed. Yep. They think that they've done it. They've got it cracked. Unfortunately. And, and, and by tax day on April 15th, everything is everything has gone, gone to fuck. Too shit. It is just <laughs> falling back. And one of the things I love about this story is I'm fascinated with any story where we do things in our past that we can't get away from. And... It doesn't matter what you do or how far away from it you think. If you've done something really, really, really bad, the chances are, if unless you fess up, unless you lance the boil and come out and say, I did this and I'll accept any judgment for it. If you try to keep something, and there's loads of stories like it, like um, the, the accountant of Auschwitz, that 97-year-old man who had been a guard at Auschwitz, um, and he was put on trial in his 90s. Yeah. You know, it, yep. stories like that. For those of you who watched The Shield, Detective Vic Mackey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think, and this is the Nixon White House. It's essentially, the way I always think of it is, they're in a room, and on the way into this room to have a party, they pressed a button that said that the walls would start closing in, and they forgot all about it. They're having yep. a few drinks. They don't notice. They wake up the next morning in the room and they're going, ah, everything's fine. And somebody says vaguely, did we not have that button? And, no, don't worry about it. And then they notice, shit, those walls are coming right in on us. And that is what Watergate is. So everything to this point has been, they think, I was going to say has been handled. It hasn't. That's yeah. the problem. They think it has been handled. Yeah. And of course, probably a key thing to leave you with is because they think they've got away with it, they immediately stop paying the burglars. Yep. They stop thinking about what the burglars could say. And their arrogance, which got them into this, will get them deeper into it. Yeah. Well, and again, it's important to note, too, Dean is not one of the California boys. And the second he thinks he's going to end up in jail, he calls the U.S. Attorney's Office. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not going down with all the rest of these fuckers. So... Yeah, next week, Senate Committee hearing and uh, all, all the all the fun shit. And oh, God, we, we get a bunch of tapes next week, probably. Uh, and we also get to meet Archibald Cox, um, the man who, if Nixon had to handpick the person he would <laughs> least want to be in charge of the uh, investigation, uh, the, 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 this is the fucking guy. It's, it's, it's not, you know, because he appoints a new attorney general and lets him pick. The, the man to lead the independent uh, look. And, uh, yeah, he picks, oh, God. Well, Nixon hated Archibald Cox. <laughs> Archibald Cox, who had been the Solicitor General under... 
John F. Kennedy. <laughs> I mean, as as Shane says, you let. I mean, he honestly would have been among the the top of Nixon's not him list. Yeah. Uh, yep. And again, you know, Nixon said, and I don't think without. You know, I don't think with no justification he said, "Well, he he hates me. He's a long-term Nixon here," and he probably was. Yeah. But he was fair, and yeah. this is yeah, this is probably something, job. Shane. Yeah. You know, as we're telling this story, and any time I read or watch this story, one of the things that I feel sad about is there's always been in any in any politics, you know, where politics has existed, there's always been dodgy dealings. There's always yeah. been background stuff. There's always been bad stuff. There's always been bad people out for themselves. That always happens. But in this story, there are lots and lots of heroes and there are lots of people who do things on both sides, Republican and Democrat, who do things because they think it's right, who do things because it might not be popular, but yeah. they, they know it's right. So you get Republicans whose districts are hugely, hugely um, pro-Nixon who vote to impeach him, even though yeah. they know it probably spells the end of their political career, but because does. they felt he yeah. should be impeached. And it does in many yeah. cases. Yeah. You've got guys like Elliot Richardson who resign their jobs because they've been asked to do stuff that they they don't believe is correct. You've got guys like, uh, you, you've got guys like him in Ruckel's house who, yeah. who do things for, for all the right reasons. I don't know if we have that anymore. I really don't. And I know that every generation probably thinks that it was better in the old days, but I really don't know these. Would there be people who stood up and said, look, this was wrong, and I, therefore I'm going to I'm gonna try and put a stop to it, even though it hurts my side? I just no. don't think well, so. Well, I, I mean, th- this is what I said in that first episode, that, that this Watergate showed... Well, the Republicans, first of all, how to never let this, not to never let this happen again in the sense of committing crimes and then launching this massive haphazard slapstick fucking cover up of it. No, don't don't ever uncircle the wagons, you know, don't don't ever give them access to to have something like that. You you can't let them in because if you let them in, they can take you down. And that is really I mean that that's that's the dividing line in American politics. The wrong lesson that they, yeah, the wrong lesson that yep. they all took. And by the way, you know, I think we we try and be neutral here. Um, well, I do, um, but uh, I don't expect you to. It's not fair. Nah, but I, fair. I, you know, this happened under Clinton when yep. people Democrats. And I've heard Democrat women from that period going, "We were fucking outrageous because we liked him, and we." We absolutely taught. I mean, they basically made out that this what twenty-one-year-old slut had gone in there and and had absolutely taken advantage of their beloved yes. president, yes. and they circled the wagon. I mean, he should have been out in his ass for what he yep. did, right? Well, and, Trump, and, and the, Trump, Jesus Christ, Trump. So many, you know, the the, the Russia thing, etc. The 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 fire in Mueller, uh, all of these things. So it happens on both sides now, and yeah. I think you're spot on, Shane. They took their own lesson. Rather than yeah. don't do bad shit, they took the, the, the lesson, don't let people in to see the bad shit you yeah. did. Or um, or even if they've seen it, just, just disavow deny it. Deny it. <laughs> yeah. Just say, yeah, so yeah. long as you all deny it, then yeah. there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah. And and that is kind of sad. So I, I, it's yeah. one of the reasons I think I keep going back to Watergate is I look at it and I think... You know, there are lessons in here and there are bad people and there are stupid people and there are vain people and there are arrogant people um, and there are innocent people and there are good people. And it, it's kind of in that 
isn't that just real life? Yeah. All right. Uh, just so you guys know, we're, we're, we're going to hold off on questions. When we get closer to the end here, I'm going to tell you guys how. We're, we're going to let you send in audio copies of questions, try to get some uh, listener engagement. So we're not going to do the usual Twitter thing that we do. Um, but as we get nearer to the end, I will start posting links in the show notes where you can leave us basically a voicemail with any questions that you may have uh, that by then, you know, you'll, you'll have a better idea of what we haven't talked about. <laughs> um and also, if you go down to the show notes, uh, look for the buy me a coffee link because I'm still trying to piece back together my whole system by which I record these shows. Uh, I, the new microphone did not work, which is why I had to like jerry rig this system I'm using today. So, well, you sound very good. It was good jerry rigging. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, it's it's at least I have decent enough backup systems to get us through. So, uh, of course, all David stuff. You can find all that on Heart and Hand. If you want to, you go over to their Patreon and just chip in there. And David, of course, you can find on Twitter at Ibrox Rocks. And uh, him and Todd did a crow pod if you want to go listen to that. It is just too tricky for a chump like me to use. Oh, you. You take that subcommittee serious, boy. I'm serious. You just might get a seizure from the evening news.